1: City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, who is author and speaker, Oscar Canablau. Thank you for being here today, Oscar, to share your testimony in your book, A Boy's Story, A Man's Memory, Surviving the Holocaust from 1933 through 1945. Oscar, I read that you published your book in 2010 after much encouragement from your family and friends. Was it challenging for you to write this book, considering that as a boy you experienced the rise of uh, Nazism and the ensuing European Holocaust of World War II?
2: It was a challenge. It took me to finish about three years to be able to self-publish it right here in the valley. Uh, It took a while for the simple reason that it isn't, at least it was not in the beginning as I was writing the book, easy to go back to those horrible times.
1: And what was the response of your family and friends when they first read it? Because they were probably the first ones to read it, right?
2: That's correct. In fact, it was, the writing was inspired by my children for the simple reason that they would come home as teenagers, young teenagers, and they had such problems in school. And my wife would say, those are not problems. Those are little situations. And she encouraged me to tell them problems about I lived through. And those children, listening to that, they said, Dad, you need to put all this on paper. And that's why I wrote this book.
1: Now, I'm curious to know, after they read it, what did they say to you? What comments were uh, shared with you? Did they even cry?
2: One word stands out, unbelievable. And truly, it is unbelievable. It was unbelievable then, because, you see, one person or people should not do the things to other people as they were done against the Jewish people. So, yes, they were surprised. They were devastated. They said, how could you possibly survive all this? How did you manage to survive? Well, resilience, respect, and hope, and, of course, love. All those are little ingredients to promote your survival. And when you were able to combine those and you had the time to do it with the Lord's help, then it works.
1: Uh, Before we get into your book, um, for those listeners, um, even the younger generation who may not have, um, let's say, knowledge of the history of the Holocaust, Um, How would you define Nazism and what does, uh, tell us about the Holocaust, what does that mean for listeners who may not know what they mean?
2: The Holocaust, the Holocaust was caused by the Nazis. Who were the Nazis? It's a political party, the political party which tried to come to power, and by the way, my family and I witnessed them come to power. It was in the early 1930s, 31, 32. And what we have witnessed is, according to Hitler's book Mein Kampf, My Struggle, he says in the book clearly that the Jews in Europe will have to disappear. What does that mean to disappear? Well, it is proving later on as he became chancellor that he was going to see to it that the Jews are exterminated. So, the Holocaust was caused by the Nazis because, for some strange reason, they simply hated the Jews. Uh Hate equals Holocaust.
1: Beautifully said. Now, in your brochure, it states that your book, A Man's or a Boy's Story, A Man's Memory Surviving the Holocaust 1933 through 1945, details your family's struggle to survive those years a brutal time for all European Jewry and countless other innocent people. You mentioned that your story is one of many to emerge from the ashes of the Holocaust, but it is one that is filled with the ideals of honor, hope, courage, trust, love, respect, and tolerance. And that this book is more than just a lesson of history. Please share why you chose these virtues for people to live by. Are they particular, Are there particular examples that you can provide us
2: with? Well, you have the Holocaust being as atrocious as it was. The first thing which comes to mind is that one thing is extremely important. When you're born, and I was the youngest of three siblings, our parents worked digitally, to teach us respect. They taught us love. They taught us to be tolerant. They taught us to always hope and to be loving to their neighbor. Those were the essential ingredients we, were, we grew up with. And I never forget, I never will forget those words. Mom used to say in the darkest days when it was raining, when it was thunder and lightning, she says, look at the sky and look for the rainbow. Look for the rainbow because they're there. And always hope. So yes, resilience, hope and love plays a tremendous role in your survival in every day, under any circumstances, no matter where you are. And for us, it worked. Yes, we had the opportunity to express and show our resilience, show our respect. And our respect was instilled into us. They simply said, respect yourselves, respect your friends, your families, and also respect your enemies. And we did. If I have a chance, I will explain more things about respect later on.
1: Yes, indeed. Now, um, at what point in your Holocaust experience did you lose, or almost lose, your faith in God? And what made you change your mind?
2: What a tremendous question. We were in the ghetto. The year was 1942. Now when they had, they were trying to dismantle the ghetto. So how do you do this? You take one street at a time, and you don't do it all in one day. It takes you about a year to accomplish. You take a half a street. Oh, whoever lived on that street will disappear that particular day. Our street was blocked off. My dad, and my brother, they were mining the front door to the apartment house. There must have been at least about two to 300 people living in this apartment house. He sent me to the third floor as a lookout. When the whistle blows, come down and tell me, because we don't hear anything down here. We want to be prepared when the deportation starts. As I was looking out the window and I just stepped, Stay away from the window far, because you, if you stick your head out, they will shoot your head off. I was waiting for the whistle to blow to be blown. I looked at the sky, which was early morning, must have been 6.30 in the morning. It was cool. The windows were open. The fresh air, embarrassed, just it suddenly gave me showers. As I was looking up in the sky, I said to myself, this is a good time to talk to God, personally. And I asked him that day, God, if you want to stop this, you can. But I know that you won't. Now, how do I know that? Because in the past, you never have stopped it. This is not the first deportation, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last. And most likely... I and my family will disappear after the day is gone. So, here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm not going to believe in you anymore because you see, it's useless. So, if by any chance I should survive, I never will go to a house of prayer again. The whistle was blown. I turned towards the door. And before I opened up the door, I turned back to the window, looked one more time, and I said, but God, I tell you what I will do. I will obey your Ten Commandments. And I did. I rushed down. When I came down, I saw my dad and my brother being pulled out on the street by force. I had no choice but to turn back into the hallway and run into the back of the house, being chased by a soldier, shooting at me, evidently missing me. I could hear the bullets whizzing by. I ran as fast as I could. I came to the end of the hallway. There was a balcony supported with steel girders, pipes. I grabbed those pipes, one of them, and like a monkey, I just pulled myself over to the first balcony and I jumped over the railroad, over the railroad siding. And I rolled towards the wall, and I felt something warm, and I realized it was blood. But I was alive. I did hear a shot, the last one, real clearly and he missed me again as I was climbing over the railing. But he hit the window which was above me and I rolled in that glass, injuring myself. Lying there in desperation, wondering what it's going to be next. Time was eternal. Maybe a minute or two, seemed like an hour. Suddenly, the whistle was blown. It was, was blown, and somebody said in German to stand down. A trick, I said to myself. I waited, and then I heard my dad's voice Oscar, come out. It's okay, it's safe. Now, what happened was this when my dad was pulled out on the street with my brother, he looked at the officer in charge who stood in the middle of the street. Separating the people in two lines, left and right. He looked at him twice, and then he recognized him as a member of the local Gestapo department in the Krakow region. He, my dad, approached that officer in a military manner because my dad, believe it or not, used to be in the German army in World War I. Yes, indeed, he fought in World War I in a German uniform, just like Hitler did. Same uniform, same army. But my dad came home as a young man, long before he even was married, after that war, as a lieutenant. That Jewish man. So he saluted to this officer, the Nazi, and said the following. The Jews in this house are all members of the crew that work for your department downtown. They are tailors, shoemakers, electricians. They provide all the necessary work you need. If they disappear, how will you explain this to your superiors?" The officer paused, realized the mistake, and told the soldiers, to exempt this building from the deportation. Did I intervene with my little conversation with God? Or is it that God does work in mysterious ways? But that day, we survived, and I'm sure Yes, it was the interference of my dad and the Nazi. But who arranged it? Think. Who arranged it? I never forget that day. So did I lose my faith in God? Absolutely not. Because he's there. He always was there, and he is there now, and he will be there forever.
1: Amen. There are many people out there, Jeffrey, or excuse me, Oscar, who might be going through a very difficult life experience that is testing their faith, just like this experience tested your faith. What would you tell them?
2: No matter what situation a human being will be in, don't lose your faith. A little prayer will always work. But be also resilient. You were taught to be that way. You were born with that. All this was given to us, basically, by God. All we have to do just is reach in within us, into our brain, into our heart, And just bring out and think what God wants you to do. You know, ah, there are sometimes quotes in this world, which you remember because they are fantastic. Uh, Some presidents say that, especially when they're being inaugurated. And John F. Kennedy said the following don't ask what this country can do for you, ask what you can do for this country. I kind of borrowed this thing, and I changed one word. And I say, don't ask what God can do for you. Ask what you can do for God. And think about a million of things you can do for him. He's one, and he's got so many requests every seconds, every nanoseconds. So let's help out. Let's do the right thing so we don't have to ask for help. Help yourselves. Help one another. Let's all help ourselves.
1: Amen.
2: Believe It's just like good hope. And you need that.
1: Now you talk about resilience and you also talk about the ideals or the virtues that you mentioned, the honor, hope, courage, trust, love, respect and tolerance. Now everything that you witnessed through the Holocaust, was there one moment in time where basically you couldn't love your enemy?
2: You couldn't leave Germany. If you want to leave anywhere, usually you have to have a place to go. Mm -hmm. Now where would you go? Any country, no matter how close, what proximity the country was, needs you to accept them. In other words, you need to apply for a visa. You cannot cross borders. The borders are easy, but the borders are very tight. They They have minefields, they have soldiers. It took us a year and a half to wait in Germany to get the legal papers to leave Germany in mid-1936 to go to Poland. But it had to be done in a legal manner. So it wasn't that you could leave. Oh, God, there are instances, yes, we can talk about the St. Louis, a German ship leaving Germany with 934 passengers, German. They paid for their voyage. They even had legal landing papers into Cuba and visas to the United States. And when they got there they were, re- were refused entry and they re- had to return back to Germany. So it wasn't easy to just leave. We were caught. We were in jail without bars but we could not leave anywhere. It wasn't easy. Unless people were going to hide you, they would take a tremendous chance if they would. It was a death penalty if they would be caught. It was not every day that people did this. But imagine, in Poland alone, As it turned out, after the war, over 6,600 people, Polish citizens, Christians, who saved Jews. Over 6,600, that's a lot. And many times it happened too, during the war. Those who are not even recognized, there was a lot of them who took a chance. And why? Were they believers in God? Did they do the right thing what God wanted them to do? Possibly so. But that's all he needed, more people like this. Help yourselves. Do the right thing. Today we don't have to do and hide Jewish people. Today we have other people to worry about. We have to help each and everyone who is in, dire, in a dire situation.
1: Now, do you know of any other Holocaust uh, survivors?
2: Oh, yes. I, I am a member of the Holocaust Survivors Association here in this, in Phoenix. And I know the other speakers. I know the people who are here. We're losing them. Every month, somebody else is gone because we, unfortunately, not get, don't get any younger, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's it's.
1: Now, do they share the same, um, let's say, experience as you, as far as still uh, I, believing in God?
2: I assume they do. I'm not sure exactly. I never listen to what they have to say. They, the majority, speak about the ator- atrocities which were committed, mm-hmm. which I do too. But I mostly concentrate on our youth. I concentrate how to teach them to teach the Holocaust because we have to continue. Someone has to continue after we speakers are gone. Now someone has to be out there to, to continue this. And
1: now how do we, we, we teach them? How do we teach them well, tolerance and respect?
2: Well, it starts with, which I know, for instance, that bullying goes on in every school. And that in itself is disrespect shown to one another. Right. We talk about it, we tell about it, and I say to them and I explain to them that there's a, divi- a division between bystanders, who people who see the bullying and do nothing. Now they need to do something. So everybody has to be involved. There's another thing which we try to bring in, and this is. Teaching through art. Now, art is very important. Art is something which you can relate to when you see a painting, a picture. You will remember that. And we have something. We have an artist here in town. His name is Robert Suds. Now, he has been doing something very unique. He's been taking and making life masks of Holocaust survivors, Including your struty. And when you display a mask and the people look at this, they see you. They can relate to it. And if you won't be here, if you fortunately if you go to to greener pasture, so to speak, your mask will be here. And if you have a buyer to go with that, which we had here in this very room, in all those rooms at one time. My bio was three walls that gave my story of my life, and my mask was in the middle. Now, when a student comes, they know all about Oscar, who he was, where he was born, what he went through, what he did and what he didn't do. And it can relate to that. And that can be there for the next 50, maybe 100 years. It will never disappear. So art is important. This is a project we really, really are pushing that it will be there forever. Now, the masks are made of people when they are alive, but there are some people who feel that they cannot be, or they feel claustrophobic, that cannot have their faces plastered. Then Robert, makes a beautiful portrait with pastel colors.
1: And where can we find uh, his artwork? I'm sorry? Where can we find his artwork at?
2: Oh, his artwork can be seen right here in Scottsdale. Okay. And we will be, occasionally we have an, We announce this, when we're going to have an exhibit. Okay. And usually the exhibits are free and uh, it can be seen. Um, I have um, His studio can be seen. The studio is, you can contact us at the Arizona Historical Society that you would like to see the studio, and they'll give you a phone number, and you'll find out if he's there, and you can visit for free. And it's a working studio. You can actually, because he still is working on all the different things, to finish all the different masks and portraits. It is interesting.
1: Thanks again, Oscar, for being my special guest today. It has been a true honor to have you on my radio program and uh, I know you'll be back next week to continue on uh, where we left off. Would you uh, mind just uh, please closing with a prayer?
2: Unlike most prayers which people have I have my own my own is a very simple one which I usually encourage everyone to follow and do every morning every night I talk to God personally it's just announcing myself it's me again the problem child but I I usually thank him I thank him for everything. I thank him for being able to breathe, the very air he's supplying us. I thank him for the trees, for the birds, for the animals, for the clouds in the sky, for the clear skies, for the storms, for the rain, which we don't get too often here in Florida, I mean in, in Arizona. I thank him for all that. I thank him for the good food we have. Because if not for him, we wouldn't have anything. So those are my thanks to him every day, twice a day, sometimes more. Sometimes I talk to him while I drive. I pay attention to the road, though. I make sure that I don't crush anywhere. This is, all, this is my prayer to God. I talk to him every day. I thank him every day. And. For some strange reason, he approves of it. I'm going to be celebrating my 93rd 93rd birthday next month. So I think I have a friend. I have a friend. I have found a good friend. So thank you God. Thank you for letting me sit here in front of this microphone. Thank, f- Thank you for letting me talk to the people, to telling them that nothing absolutely is impossible. You can achieve every and everything you dream of if you just try and really, really be a human being the way you're supposed to be. Amen.
0: You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com if you are looking for a holy-spirited and bilingual church in the Phoenix, Arizona area, I invite you to King Jesus Christ Ministries at 3106 North 35th Avenue, Suite 3, Phoenix, Arizona. The zip code is 85017. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.